What's going on, guys? It's your boy Mike here today, tomorrow, and the next day. We are back in a real way with a spring break special. Um, today's episode, I want you to kick your feet up, take a load off as I take you on a journey. I've got a lot to get through, so let's get it. Uh, firstly, uh, a little, a couple of announcements. Uh, thinking about doing some music. Not sure what kind of music I should do. If I'm looking for like an EDM dubstep with a drop, or if I'm looking for like uh, you know chill vibes, kind of you know maybe some guitar, some Carlos Santana vibes. I'm not sure, but it's definitely something that will be coming in the future episodes. I just got to find the right tune that speaks to me. But uh, if you've been riding with me so far, I really appreciate it. As always, if you ever have any you know thing to say, anything to add in, any questions. You can always find me on Twitter at WitPodMike. Um, and if you ever want us to talk about something specific on the show, that's where you can punch in. And we'll start doing polls and stuff. If I get some interactions, it'll be exciting. So next, we're going to get into it, uh, just the episode. So we're talking about spring break. And we'll start with the origins and kind of where it all came from. So initially, uh, you can trace spring break back to the Greek and Roman celebrations of ancient times, it was a season of fertility and new beginnings. Um, spring festivities in Greece and Rome revolved around honoring uh, Dionysus or Dionysus and Bacchus, the gods of wine. Um, but but all the way up to 1930, which I know is quite a jump, but uh, all the way up there, uh, the Colgate College spring team started traveling to Fort Lauderdale for training, um, just you know, get in shape and, and you know, prepare. Uh, before long, swimmers from all around the country started attending these competitions in Florida in that same window of time. Now, in the 1950s, spring break had spread beyond the pool. College students everywhere were heading south to spend their breaks on the beach. In 1958, uh, Glenn Startwout, a Michigan State University professor, heard that his students were planning a trip to Florida. Curious, he decided to visit Fort Lauderdale and observe this new spring break for himself. Uh, Starwild's travels inspired him to write Where the Boys Are, a hit book which MGM later transformed into a major film in 1960. Following the release of the movie, tens of thousands of students visited Fort Lauderdale for spring break. MTV uh, did their first big spring break program in 1986, which we're all familiar with the the MTV coverage of spring break and the crazy college kids and what everybody's doing. And they, you know, ask them where they went to college and what their major is and like what they were looking to do. Um, <clears throat> their coverage further supported and highlighted the association between spring break and ex excess partying. In response to growing concerns, the American Medical Association began to issue warnings about drinking, drugs, and sexual activity, and a number of colleges and universities even began providing students with break bags filled with items like sunscreen, sexual assault pamphlets, you name it, just kind of covering their bases in the sense of where things are you know, going and that we have to acknowledge it without acknowledging it, that kind of deal. So I think that that was uh, forward thinking on their part, but you know, we all know how spring breaks went. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you uh, can trace your birthdays back to a spring break or your mom's birthday, one of the two. So it's become more than parties and games. Uh, in 2015, the Chicago Tribune reported that over 50% of students 
planned to travel for a spring break. Many of the top destinations were tropical, including Miami, San Juan, and Cancun. In recent years, though, spring break has begun to evolve into something besides a week of partying. In 2006, the United Way started offering alternative spring break, a program that allows students to aid neighborhoods throughout the United States. ABS uh, participants, which is alternative spring break or something in that case, uh, alternative break spring, maybe, I don't know. But uh, those participants have since contributed over 150,000 uh, community service hours to 15 different communities. Now, <clears throat> this is where I kind of get a little personal about it. So spring break for me was always a time of excitement and opportunity and like a break from the norm, right? So we're all going to school, we're all working, we're all doing whatever we're doing. But spring break, whether you get that day off or not, like it's a time of year you have to acknowledge. It's like a holiday of sorts, but not really. Like not, it's not Christmas. It's maybe better. But uh, this takes me back to uh, a time in my childhood that I would like to share with you all. So we all have warm memories of this seven-day stretch uh, whether you're in college or grade school, like I had mentioned, we all looked forward to that family trip or or that new video game you were going to grind out for like a week straight, uh, like uh, hanging out with your boys, playing Nintendo 64 or whatever it was, and just junk food everywhere. You'd head down to Blockbuster, you'd grab that new game, right? Too bad there's like no Blockbusters anymore. But uh, let me take you back in time for a moment. The year is 2003. Hard to believe that was 20 years ago. But it's the Friday before spring break. Uh, the morning is probably a little bit chilly, 50 degrees on a dewy Texas morning, uh, which, you know, in this time of year, like you, you go to work in a sweater, a hoodie, whatever it is, uh, you know, you're coming home in a tank top. It's just that kind of weather for Texas always has been, always will be. And uh, back then, you know, it'd be 80 degrees by lunchtime. So... Not my favorite part of Southeast Texas, but one that you can't ignore. You know, you take the good with the bad. So I get to the cafeteria a little early, grabbed a burrito and a chalky milk, and I headed to the table that I sat at every day while I was at that school. Uh, my friends joined me a little bit later, and, and we're all talking about what we want to do, where we want to go. Nobody's in a bad mood. Um, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a kid that didn't love spring break. At every possible opportunity, we would get together and, you know, just hang out on those on those weeks off. Like if we could, you know, like whoever wasn't going out of town and hanging out with family, we all kind of did hood rat things. And, uh, you know, as soon as we got out of school, you know, we, we'd hop on our bikes, head over to Juan's house. Juan lived in a neighborhood down the street. It was kind of centrally located in the middle of everything. Uh, everybody that rode my bus was was in that neighborhood and we all you know knew where Juan lived and Juan's parents didn't really care too much uh his mom always made like really good food and his dad left the liquor out so you know fun times uh, a perfect place to find trouble as we often did uh that night I believe we went to the movies and uh we snuck into uh I, I believe it was how was it called Cradle of the Grave uh starring Jet Li and DMX like what more could you possibly ask for like you tell me uh, that you've never snuck into an R-rated movie and, you know, like, I'll call you a liar. And if you didn't, you should have. It's, it's like exciting. It's a spice of life, right? Like it's not illegal, but it's against the rules. Uh, and they always had cops at the movie theater and you're always thinking like, oh, they're going to arrest me if I sneak into this movie. But like, 
ultimately they would just walk you out of the movie. Nobody's going to jail over that. Um, however, you know, I lived kind of in the ghetto. So like there'd be fights and drug deals and all kinds of crazy stuff going on outside. So the cops didn't care that you were sneaking into a movie. They were more so there for your protection, believe it or not. And, and by the way, uh, Cradle of the Grave that year, 2003, was 84th on the top. <laughs> so not not the best movie, but but it's a staple in my life. And, and looking back, uh, the memory might be the reason why I like the movie to this day is because that was just a magical time for me. And like you couldn't go wrong. Like it was just the, like the dog days or whatever. Like everybody's got those fond memories. And, and maybe everything that's tied to that memory is amplified. But like... So be it, you know, good memories, are good memories. I'll take them. Like, especially in this economy, like thinking about happy times is, is good. I'll take that if I can, if I can have them, cause you're not getting a lot nowadays. Yeah. So in the coming days, I mean, you could find us doing just about anything, anywhere, going anywhere that our bikes could take us. And, and oftentimes that found us in like this reservoir that was out there by that neighborhood. And, and like, it never had water in it. Cause when it flooded, you know, it was full, but like for every other day of the year it had bike paths it had homemade ramps it had forts like it had all kinds of stuff now don't get me wrong there's not like it, it wasn't teeming with children it was just a fun place to be like it was super cool to be able to go down there and and do things and i'm pretty sure in and around that time they were building a new bridge to go over the bayou that's what we call them down there uh, they were building a new bridge and they had built the full structure of the bridge, but they hadn't built like the the ramps that took you from the ground onto the bridge because the bridge was raised. So like we would always hop our bikes off of that joint. And like, I'm pretty sure, don't quote me, I, I probably can't remember, you know, in my old age, things are going, memory goes first. But uh, I think I jumped my bike off and I had plastic uh, pedals. I did not have the coolest bike in the neighborhood. But I had plastic pedals, and I'm pretty sure I broke the pedal, and I still have a scar to this day up my shin where it just ripped through. And like my bike was in shambles. Um, like the the front wheel came off completely. Uh, spoiler alert, the the bolts were not all the way tightened. <laughs> and uh I definitely carried the rear end of that bike, or the majority of it, and that front wheel all the way home because I just couldn't get it back together. Uh I'm sure if I really sat down and breathed for a little bit that I could have figured it out. But, you know, when you're young, everything seems difficult because you don't know anything. But uh, no, I mean, that's my fondest memory of spring break. Uh, that That's where it takes me back to. But but looking into this, <laughs> um, building for this episode, like kind of thinking about where I was going to go with it, I took a really good look at 2003, right? So let, let, let's take a deeper dive. Let's, let's get back into it, right? 2003, what, what, what kind of time was that in life? So I'll go over some top fives real quick, kind of just put you in the mood, you know, get the vibe right. So uh, the, the top five songs in 2003 were In the Club by 50 Cent on, on the Get Rich or Die Tried album. Uh, you've got Ignition by R. Kelly. Not the remix that everybody knows and loves, but the, the, the original, the single, Ignition. Sean Paul would get busy at number three. Um, number four, Crazy in Love, Beyonce and Jay-Z before they were, you know, Beyonce and Jay-Z, I, I think, right? Like, I don't think they were like a thing then, but they were working together because they were both titans in the industry. Like Jay-Z was big time rap guy and Beyonce was, well, 
Houston's very own Beyonce. Uh, and, and, and weird enough, coming in at fifth, uh, When I'm Gone by Three Doors Down, which I'm not even mad at that one. It's just when you look at the top four and that was the fit, that maybe that just tells you how good of a song that was, right? So so that's the uh, the, the top five. But notably, and it's weird that he's not on there, but notably in 2003, 2003 gave us Kanye West, right? So if 2003 did nothing else, it gave us Kanye Omari West. He released two songs in 2003, and that was Slow Jams featuring Twista and Jamie Foxx, and Through the Wire, which was a reference to like his car accident, his jaw was wired shut. Either way, both good songs. I, I like them both. Now, after postponing the album about three times from its original release date of August 2003, uh, College Dropout was finally released in February 2004. That album would go on to be one of his best, often found in the top threes uh, of anybody's top Kanye albums, right? Like, like it, it's it's one of three, and, and that's, I think, it usually falls third, and in some, I found it in fourth. But for sure, I, I think it's top three. It's one of my favorites. Um, Kanye would go on to be the Yee, or the, yeah, yeah, or, or yay. Either way, it's Kanye, and, and we all know and feel bad for Kanye because he lost his mind. Uh, he 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 dabbled with the Kardashians, and you know he never made his way back to the light. So, uh, you know, I'm a gamer, so I'm I'm always gonna mention games. Uh, I can't help it. But but your your top five games, I wouldn't say top five because I think I, I took some out of order just because I'm selfish that way. But the top games of that time were uh, Zelda, uh, Wind Walker on GameCube. If you if you remember that that painful controller, like you you look at like the the what is it the the N sixty four like this controller is so dumb, and then you see the GameCube and you're like, Nintendo get it together, like maybe that's why they don't have a console today because they just could not like they were trying to do too much and I'm not mad because Nintendo's given us a lot, but good controllers was not one of them. Uh, the Wii U came later in life and that wasn't any better than the the. Uh, the GameCube controller. But uh, yeah, so you had Zelda the Wind Walker. You also had Grand Theft Auto Vice City on PC, uh, which was exciting, right? Uh, Madden 04 uh, on PS2. Mike Vick was on the cover. Mike Vick was still with the Falcons. Like prime Mike Vick. Like 99 speed Mike Vick. Like like give me the ball, Mike Vick. Like so, man, that that huh, to go back and play that for the first time, that would be intense. Like that would be cool. Like there, there's not a lot of firsts that I ask for, but that's that's probably one of them. Um, you also had Super Mario Advanced Four, Super Mario Bros. Three on Game Boy Advance. Uh, they they were taking it to handheld, and, and yo, is a banger. Like takes you right back to playing it the first time. Uh, this is actually one we talked about last week. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic on Xbox. So I kind of tried to mix it in a little bit. Like uh, I definitely got a bunch of different, um, yeah, I, I have what five different consoles here, or not consoles, but platforms, I guess. And, and I think I mix it up pretty good. But yeah, these are good games, games you could play for hours and hours and hours. And mind you, there's not like a YouTube or like a like a, you you had to go buy a manual back then to see like all the tips and tricks in a game. Like I remember Zelda, especially like I, I in my memory again is it, shaky, but I, I significantly remember my older brother recording his playthrough of Zelda 
um, on the Super Nintendo on VHS. And like he had that. Like, we're, I mean, you're talking about Twitch today. We're talking about Twitch back then, recording it on a VHS so that you could show your friends A, how to do things, and B, that you could do them. Now, that that's just mind blowing, right? That's crazy to put that into perspective. Like, you're recording it on a VHS and, and you're probably recording over one of mom's movies, but I'm not telling. Um, speaking of movies, uh, the top five movies in that time uh, were, were like Finding Nemo came out in 2003, right? Pirates of the Caribbean came out in 2003. Like the first of its kind. Nobody knew what that was going to be, but man, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Uh, You had The Matrix Reloaded, Bruce Almighty, Holes. Like this isn't even top five anymore. This is just good stuff. Um, And and, and one of my honorable mentions, and I skipped over the game because I'll get to it in a second, but the honorable mention for movies, and I've done one for each one, was uh, Spy Kids 3D Game Over. It came out in 2003. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Mike, why why are we talking about Spy Kids right now? Like, we all remember, you know, like the the start of like what led to, I think, Shark Boy and Lava Girl and all that, right? Like, so if you're not familiar with Spy Kids 3D Game Over, uh, Spy Kids 3D was the third of its kind. Uh, there were two movies before it, but this one was in 3D. And it was big on gaming, right? So underage agents Junie and Carmen Cortez set out on their newest, most mind-blowing mission yet, journeying inside the virtual reality world of a 3D video game designed to outsmart them. As the awe-inspiring graphics and creatures of game come to real life, relying on humor, gadgetry, bravery, family bonds, and lightning-quick reflexes, the Spy Kids must battle through the tougher and tougher levels of the game, facing challenges that include racing against the road warriors and surfing on boiling lava in order to save the world from a power-hungry villain. That, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what does. Also, a uh, shout-out to uh, Vin Diesel, family bonds. All I got is family. No friends over here. But, but again, if you're not sold on Spy Kids 3D, game over. I'm about to sell you. Just hang in. I got you. This movie may not have been best, but it gave us Selena Gomez in the form of water park girl. Like she was at the water park. She was, she's a baby. And, and as we all know, Selena would later go on to play Alex Russo on Wizards of Waverly Place. Like this took place in 2003. Wizards of Waverly Place kicked off in 2007. But like, I don't think we have her without this. Like everybody needs to start. And, and this was it. Um, and, and we spoke on Selena maybe a few episodes ago. But uh, not to mention, you know, her music career and her business ventures, like it all started with Spy Kids 3D. So again, 2003, geez, this year, like, I I know what you're thinking, like, oh, Mike, how can, how can 2003 get any more exciting? Well, back to my honorable mention for video games, uh, 2003 saw Call of Duty, the first of its kind. And again, you know, if you don't know what Call of Duty is and you've been living under a rock, don't worry, I got you. Call of Duty is a first-person shooter game developed by Infinity Ward and published by Activision. It is the first ever installment in the Call of Duty franchise developed by Infinity Ward, a new studio formed in 2002, originally consisting of 21 employees. Call of Duty ultimately sold 4.5 million copies worldwide by the end of 2013. But can we just talk about how it all started with 21 guys in a dream? Uh, It's wild to look back at the now gaming giant that is Call of Duty and think that there were a couple of guys who really liked, you know, video games and really liked combat sims because, you know, at, at its core, that's what it was, right? 
Like I, I believe Call of Duty, the original one had three campaigns that you could play through. And it was like the US, it was like UK, and then like Russia. And correct me if I'm wrong on Twitter at WhipPodMike. Uh, but man, it all started in 2003. Call of Duty, like we're on like the fourth or fifth recooked game, I think right now. Like we, we've already talked about Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare 2. And, and it's this is the reliving of it, right? Like we're we're in you know twenty years later, and they they've got like a game for every year. For a while, they were like switching developers or not developers. Was it developers? Maybe it was developers. But but who whoever like made it right? Like so you had back and forth, back and forth, and they they would release a game every year. So you felt like you're getting a different game every year, but really they're just switching the people that are making it. Like you get zombies this year and you get like a survival mode this year and a bunch of different stuff. But man, it's exciting to think that, that, you know, 2003, by the way, I was 13, just in case anybody was asking 2003, I was 13. It was 20 years ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, next on the list. Now this is where I may have expanded my reach and I'm doing a bit much, but something about 2003 that I found interesting was, uh, by the way, George Bush, was in office and, and he was on the war path for, for, you know, Saddam Hussein. And, and I, I kind of put together some, some, some of the timeline uh, of him trying to track this guy down. And a lot of it, man, like 2003, he was on fire, like Google it, like what happened in 2003 in the U S and it's all Bush all the time, like exciting stuff. So as you know, in 2001, the twin towers fell and, you know, we started causing problems for the rest of the world. Uh, but in 2003, uh, sky marshals are introduced on U.S. airlines in an attempt to prevent hijackings. The newly created United States Department of Homeland Security begins operations. Uh, so depending on how you feel about the Department of Homeland Security, uh, that started in 2003 as well. On the 25th of January, uh, an international group of volunteers leaves London for Baghdad to act as a voluntary human shield, hoping to avert a U.S. invasion. Um, I, I don't think that's the smartest thing. Like, okay, do what you do, live your best life. I support it all. You just won't catch me as a human shield in any instance. Like, I don't even think I have the reflexes to hop in front of a family member to like human shield that like, like, but to sit and wait for the, for the problem that's, oh man, I can't imagine the thoughts that go through your head. Uh, Bush then uh, also issues the State of the Union address kind of to let everybody know what he's planning to do. And, and more to the end of January, um, the Iraq disarmament crisis, it, this is when this kind of kicks off. Um, the leaders of the United Kingdom, Czech Republic, Denmark, Hungary, Italy, Poland, Portugal, Romania, and Spain release a statement the letter of eight, uh, demonstrating support for the United States plans to invade Iraq. So, so Bush wasn't on his own. He wasn't on an island. He, he had backup, you know, and, and I'm just so excited that at this time, that's what we were doing. Like, I couldn't tell you what Biden's doing because I don't know. I stopped paying attention a while ago. It's, it's Sleepy Joe. Um, and, and it, I'm not really political. I don't, I don't get into it like that. But I like, you know, when it's, it sounds rough to say I like when politics are exciting enough to watch because it's not TV. This is real life and I take it very seriously. But at the same time, like I, I'm human and I like I like the drama. 
I, I like to see things happen. I like to know that we're doing stuff. Like like when my football team makes trades and they sign free agents, like I'm more excited they're doing things. And if they just hold tight, like that's just my character. Not everybody is that way, but I am. Um, but yeah, so now we get into February and U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell addresses the U.N. Security Council on Iraq. Uh, and, and then it's March Madness. Right, like, and, and it's funny we're in March now, but at the beginning of March, the Federal Law Enforcement Training uh, Center, uh, the United States Customs Service, and the United States Secret Service moved to the United States Department of Homeland Security. So, so they're they're like in a big way eating up a lot of real estate really fast because this is what three months in, and that's the Homeland Security is just everything now. Like it isn't going anywhere. Um, so moving forward, the Turkish parliament vetoes U.S. troop access to air bases in Turkey in order to attack Iraq from the north. Uh, the Bush administration starts working on plan B, namely attacking Iraq from the south through the Persian Gulf. On March 11th, uh, Iraqi fighters threatened two U.S. Uh, U-2 surveillance planes um, on missions for the U.N. weapons inspectors forcing them to abort their mission and return to base. Now, if you don't know anything about the U-2 Dragon Lady, I was stationed in uh, uh, Northern California, and that's where we we had that there. And it's an old rickety plane, but I'm sure back then it was brand new. Nah, it wasn't. It's still old and rickety then. Like, um, man, have they sent some mothball that I have to look into that for you? I, I, I don't know. I can only I only dig so deep at one time. But uh, yeah, so that's a that's a high altitude plane. You have to wear a spacesuit to ride in it, and, and for them to threaten them, I don't, I don't, I almost want to look into how they threaten them. Like, were they on the ground? Because I can't imagine them getting that high. Uh, and, and, and back to the point, the leaders of the United States, Britain, Portugal, and Spain, made it a summit in the Azores Islands. Um, of the United States, uh, yeah, okay. So President Bush calls um, that that meeting in the Azores for everybody to get together, and then on March seventeenth, the moment of truth, meaning that the coalition of the willing will make its final effort to extract a resolution from the UN Security Council, giving Iraq an ultimatum to disarm immediately or be disarmed by force. Um, so on March seventeenth. The ultimatum happens, and then Iraqi leader Saddam Hussein and his sons must either leave Iraq or face military action at a time of the U.S.'s choosing. And and I guess the the, the discussions weren't going well because about one billion dollars is taken from Iraq's central bank by Saddam Hussein and his family, um, just hours before the United States begins bombing Iraq. So, like, a that tells me they had intel. Like somebody's talking. I don't know who it was. We need to go back and fire that guy by firing squad or whatever. Quit telling secrets. Uh, and, and two, that that he is well prepared to figure this out. So um, back to the bombs. You know, bombs over Baghdad. Uh, beware the Ides of March. So on March 19th, the first American bombs drop on Baghdad uh, after Iraqi President Saddam Hussein and his sons do not comply with the U.S. President George Bush's 48-hour mandate demanding their exit from Iraq. Um, Almost immediately on the 20th, the U.S.-led Iraq war begins. Uh, The United States and the United Kingdom begin their shock and awe campaign two days later uh, with a massive airstrike on military targets in Baghdad. 
what else could go wrong, right? Don't worry, there's more. Uh, on March 23rd, Hassan Akbar, a Muslim soldier with a 101st Airborne, kills two fellow soldiers in a grenade attack at Camp Pennsylvania, Kuwait. So everything is on fire in March. In April, U.S. forces seize control of Saddam's international airport, um, changing the airport's name to Baghdad International Airport, because I guess he named it after himself. Uh, U.S. forces defeat the Iraqi army and the Iraqi Republican Guard uh, in the Battle of Baghdad. And on April 9th, the U.S. force seized control of Baghdad, ending the regime of Saddam Hussein in that area, right? So we're, we're kicking ass and taking names. I don't care who you are. That's just good news. It's all good news all the time. Not necessarily for the two soldiers uh, or the guys in the U2 Dragon Ladies, but for the most part, we're, we're doing things here, right? So shortly after Saddam Hussein's hometown of Tikrit fall to U.S. forces, due to recent events, uh, retired U.S. Army General Jay Garner becomes interim civil administrator of Iraq. Like, so we're, we're, we're clearing out, we're setting in, we're backfilling our actions. Like, this is just good military strategy. I can appreciate this, right? Uh, and on uh, April 29th, the Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, confirms that U.S. troops will be withdrawn from Saudi Arabia, where they have been stationed since the 1991 Gulf War. Albeit not super important to the plot, I just figured I'd leave it in there. Uh, on May 1st, President George Bush lands on the aircraft carrier USS Abraham Lincoln, where he gives a speech announcing the end of a major combat in 2003 invasion of Iraq. A banner behind him declares, Mission Accomplished. Right. So we're doing great things. In July, we skip all the way to July, uh, Uday and Qusay Hussein, sons of Saddam Hussein, are killed by the U.S. military in Iraq after being tipped off by an informant. So remember how I told you that other guy gave them information they got out? Yeah. To hell with you. We have, we have informants too. So moving on to September 7th. Uh, President Bush announces a request for $87 billion from Congress for military operations in Afghanistan and Iraq. Uh, September 17th, President Bush concedes that there is no evidence linking Iraqi President Saddam Hussein to September 11th, 2001 attacks. Uh, Bush makes a state visit to London in the midst of a massive anti-war protest. Uh, so that's exciting. The, the Iraq War, end of Operation Iron Hammer, an attempt to end the Iraq insurgency. Uh, December 13, and the Iraq War, a uh, end of Operation Red Dawn, resulting in the capture of Saddam Hussein in Tikrit. He went back to his hometown. Who does that? Don't return to the scene of the crime. That's stupid. Like, how did you get in charge? Who put you in charge? Like, come on, man. That was rookie. Rookie mistakes. And, and here on Christmas Eve, at the request of the U.S. Embassy in Paris, the French government orders Air France to cancel several flights uh, between France and the U.S. in response to terrorism concerns. Um, and, and that was all over the place towards the end of the year, right? Like a lot of a lot of people were on the the terrorist crunch because as soon as they picked up Saddam Hussein, like there were a lot of a lot of haters talking about like you know doing terrorist things. So planes were, were grounded. There was a lot of extra added security and a lot of uh, official buildings. I know like um, in, in like uh, what sort of embassies and things like that, just, it was all over the place. And, and that was 2003 for George Bush. Like, man, hang your hat on 2003. Like that's, that's getting it as, as good as getting it gets. You know, you, you, you set your New Year's resolution to go get Saddam Hussein 
and, and on you know Christmas Eve, go get them. Well, no, they got them sooner than that. But either way, by the end of the year, you got them. Um, and uh, Saddam Hussein would later be hanged in 2006 for his crimes, right? So, so that's a big win for the U.S. That that's back when you know, like you were you were kicking ass and taking names, and, and you were all out of names to take. Whatever the saying is, bubblegum. I don't have any more bubblegum. Um, so more on 2003 and kind of, you know, now I've got, I got the meat. Now we're going to get after the potatoes, just, you know, a little interesting facts that I think that people would enjoy, um, in business in 2003, uh, major companies were started, uh, Tesla, um, King who produced candy crush. So you're all probably really familiar with King. Uh, you had Square Enix. And now it's important to know what Square Enix for you gamers, that Square and Enix were apparently both things before and they made a joint Square Enix in 2003 and they've been that way ever since. Um, also, MySpace was created. Shout out to Tom. Birthdays, uh, and by birthdays, I mean people who were born in 2003. Uh, you got JoJo Siwa. And, and, and I have two parentheses because I don't know what she does. For what I understand, she does music. But I've never heard a JoJo Siwa song. Uh, so I left that blank because I, I looked it up. And, and for a lot of them, like for you know singers, actresses, whatever, I put like a movie they're in that I know or a song that they sing that I know. Like Also in 2003, you had Olivia Rodrigo who did Good For You. And that's a smash hit. I heard it. It's not on my like gym playlist, but I've heard it, right? But JoJo Siwa, nothing. I don't know anything about her. Um, not too fond of looking into it. You also got Bella Ramsey. I know what you're thinking. Like, oh man, who's Bella Ramsey? Well, if you're watching The Last of Us on HBO, uh, she's the the young girl, um, uh, Ellie, I believe. Uh, that's Bella Ramsey. And and so and it seems like the show's doing really good. And I know we talked about it last week and I'm getting really good at these tie-ins, right? Like finding things that make sense with the last episode. Cause we did just talk about who on, who's your daddy. We're talking about Pedro Pascal and the last of us. And this is the other half of that. So I think it's hilarious that I picked a spring break special, which took me to 2003, which eventually led me to Bella Ramsey. Like this is like six degrees of separation and it's hilarious, right? So, who died in 2003, right? Because that's important. Uh, Martha Stewart's career. No, she didn't die. But she did. Uh, she was indicted on, on like the insider trading bit. Her and all her friends. That happened in 2003. And now it's cool that she's a criminal and she hangs out with Snoop Dogg and they get high together. I don't understand 2023, but that's the type of stuff that takes place. Uh, but notably, people that actually died. Uh, Robert Kardashian, um, the lawyer. That, that started all of this drama that we have to deal with now. I believe his big case was like dealing with, uh, he, he was with OJ and them, right? Uh, Johnny Cash passed in 2003, along with other, uh, another great guy from, from way back when was Bob Hope, who is an actor. Johnny Cash, obviously, Ring of Fire, he's a singer, he's a singer. And, and Bob Hope was an actor, he did a lot of comedies. Uh, I remember watching some Bob Hope uh, movies with my mom, like, Great actor. Like I, I am a big fan of Here and Now and the movies that I watch are all action packed and and funny, but like Bob Hope was a different kind of funny. Like the things he would do or say would tickle your soul. So like Forever Missed 
Bob Hope. Um, now, now this next bit of information that I have for you, it, it, it's more catered towards uh, my sister and, and all her chismes, which for people who don't uh, speak it in Spanish, that's like drama. She likes the tea. This is this is a little a little splash of tea for you. Um, back in 2003, there were a couple of couples that were together that are no longer together. But where are they now, right? So we'll start with Travis Barker and Shanna Mokler. Now, before I looked into this, I did not know who Shanna Mokler was, and I didn't know she was with Travis Barker. But Shanna Mokler is like 50, and she's hot. Like, like go look her up. Like, I, I, I don't know if he won or lost here. But but she she got like I don't know if she did surgery or if she just got on like a health kick and new diet maybe it's a new diet I think that I read something about her new diet but yeah she's doing great on her own uh, she don't need no man independent woman knock it out the park uh, as we all know Travis Barker's with Courtney K of the Kardashian family um, and, and you know I guess he's happy I I, I don't know like. But, but they are no longer together, and that's where they are now. And that's kind of going to be the, the gist of the next couple of minutes. Um, Alanis Morissette uh, and Ryan Reynolds were together back then in 2003. And as we all know, Ryan Reynolds is with Blake Lively, and he has kids now. And, and I think he was quoted saying as much as, when I thought all I had to offer was fun uncle energy, which you know I resonate with that, uh, she made me the dad that I am today. So I thought that was really cool. We love Ryan Reynolds. He's a big winner. Uh, I'll probably do something about Ryan Reynolds at some point. He's led a very illustrious career. Uh, he he went from like a college movie goofy guy to like Deadpool to he owns uh, what Wrexham FC. He just sold Mint Mobile because he's like a 25% owner in Mint Mobile. They just sold that to, uh, what is that, T-Mobile? Probably one of the bigger cell phone giants bought it and they sold that for like a billion, which is crazy. I don't know what he put into it, but I'm sure he got more out of it. All I know is Ryan Reynolds, love him. Like that, that's got to be a guy I look into later. Uh, anyways, back to Alanis Morissette. <laughs> She's with rapper Soul Eye. I hope that means something to somebody. <laughs> like, I don't know who Soul Eye is. I don't know if maybe he's a part of a group and I just didn't know, but I looked it up and it said a rapper, Soul Eye. And you know what? I was like, mark it. She, he's with rapper, or she's with rapper Soul Eye. I don't know who that is. Uh, but yeah, so he won for sure. 110% he won. Uh, and I hope she's happy. Um, this next couple, Tiger Woods, as you know, professional golfer, probably one of the best to ever do it was married to Ellen Nordegren, right? We all remember that going wrong. It was all over the news. Well, maybe all of us, not all of us, but I do. So I say all of us. I'm selfish that way. So this relationship, and, and, and it's weird because they, they, you know, they had a fallen out, but they're still apparently really good friends. Like he still seeks her advice and stuff, and they still talk all the time. And I know what you're thinking, who are they with now? Mike, where are they at? Well, Ellen's got a psychology degree because she definitely got like a hundred million dollars in the divorce. Um, and Tiger Woods is still Tiger Woods. Like, I, I think he's pretty content being Tiger Woods for the rest of his life, and that's okay. I would be too. Hell, I'll be Tiger Woods. You be me. You come do the next episode. I'll go play around to golf. Spoiler alert: We're gonna lose. I don't know why. I have great eye-hand coordination, but golf eludes me, and maybe I've just not played enough. But it has always eluded me. And I'm okay with that, you know, much like he's cool being Tiger Woods. I'm cool not 
being very good at golf. So there's that. Next up, we've got Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher. They were actually married too. Um, I don't know how that came to be. Like I wasn't there when it happened and I was probably too young to care when it happened. But Ashton Kutcher went on to marry uh, co-star Mila Kunis. They did you know, that 70s show and they went on to make movies. I believe it was like just friends or something, but, um, yeah, they are super happy together and everything's great. Uh, Demi Moore went on to marry chef Daniel Hum. I don't know who he is. Maybe you've got his cookbook. Cause I know he wrote one, but, uh, I, at least she's eating good. Like, it, it, you know, the way to anybody's heart is probably through their stomach, but, uh, you know, she's eating good. I can't imagine having a chef at the house. Like, that would be cool, like all the time. I'd never have to cook, which I don't already have to cook. Anyways, I don't cook, but you, what you are getting cooked is like chef level food. Like, like they don't just make s'mores; they make s'mores. Like they they make sure that the 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 uh, punctuation is in there and that it's like picture ready melted. Right? That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that that's wild. Next on my list. Ashley Scott and Ashton Kutcher. I, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Like, what? Ashton Kutcher again? Yeah, 100% Ashton Kutcher again. So as we spoke before, he's with Mila Kunis, happily. And, and Ashley Scott, I kind of remember her. Like, she's one of those people, like, you wouldn't know her by her name. But you, if you saw her face, you'd be like, I remember her from the early 2000s. Like, she, maybe she fits like a, like a, a template of sorts. But she, she acted in movies, and I'm pretty sure I saw some of them. But uh, yeah, so what is she doing now? She's she's a happy, independent, single woman. She's still kind of acting. I think her last uh, gig was in 2019, and and she has two daughters. I did see that as a notable thing in her life. And, and you know, for some people, parenting is the greatest gift of all. Not for me, but if it's for you, that's awesome. Uh, I support it 110. percent But she is still kind of acting and has two daughters. Uh, now these last two, I kind of added in because I thought it was hilarious, right? Um, cause I look this stuff up and I read through and some of the stuff just hits me in the ear. Well, in the eyes, I guess funny, but, uh, Mary Kate Olson, we all know who that is. Everybody should, you know, um, at least you should. Right. So she was like Mary Kate Olson and unnamed boyfriend. And I was like, why are we talking about it? If it's not like somebody important, we just know that they're not together anymore. Like that boyfriend's not a part of it. He, she's uh, he is out of the picture. She likes you know other people now. Uh, next, you know, since that wasn't as spicy, uh, Lance Bass, um, the man who never made it to the moon. Uh, so if you ever want to read for like ten minutes, go look up Lance Bass going to the moon. It's it's kind of funny read. I liked it, but uh, they did a little better with him. It was like Lance Bass is no longer with girlfriend Kara, and I was like, hey, at least she got a name. The other guy was unnamed boyfriend. So we'll take girlfriend Kara, and I don't know where she's at, but I, you know, I I hope they're both very happy, and and you know, living their best lives. I I hope the best for everybody. You know, like whether whether it worked out or it didn't work out is neither here nor there. I'm just happy that you're still out there doing it, um, and, and I'm very proud of myself that nobody on that list is dead. Like I definitely didn't find a death, so I was like, man, that would have sucked because I'd have put it in there 110. percent Like, like Ashton Kutcher's with Mila, and this girl is dead. Uh, that'd been funny. Oh, I'd have loved it. So, as we wrap up the episode, 
because uh, that's a big part of what I have on uh, 2003. Um, I, I'd like to still kind of keep with my recommendations. Um, so anime, video game, kind of like, what am I doing right now? Uh, it, it's a lot of Demon Slayer. I'm going to be honest. Like I finally finished it because, okay, so I got, I watched them all dubbed because I don't, I mean, I do read good, but like I get connected to like character voices more than anything else. Right. So like if I'm listening to, uh, Tanjiro, the main character in Japanese, I, I, I can't, listen to him in English and vice versa. So if I start by listening to you in English, I can never listen to that character in Japanese. And if it never goes to dubbed, it dies, right? Forever, it's just dead. So anyways, I got into Demon Slayer again because I'd watched all of season one, which is Kometsu no Yaiba. And I got stuck at Mugen Train, which is second season slash movie. It's weird how they operate because they, they put it in movie format, but then they break it in episodes. So I got stuck in Mugen Train because... It wasn't dubbed. It was only subbed. And I, I just couldn't deal with the voices because they all sound different. It's not even the same like pitch and depth and the bass is different and the tones are different. So it's really hard for me to like lock in and listen and enjoy the show. Um, so I took a break and then I got back into it like a few days ago because me and Josh... And, you know, we were talking about doing these, uh, these outfits for this rave next year in October, whatever it was, the whole gang, uh, we're all doing it. And, and I was like, I'm going to be, uh, Obanai, which is like the black and white snake dude. So if you watch, you'll know he's one of the Hashira. And if you don't know, cool, you'll find out maybe, I don't know, maybe you're not interested at all, but this is what I'm doing. Uh, so I watched Mugen Train again, uh, or not again, but for the first time in English, and then I also watched the Entertainment District arc. So I was super pumped to watch that because the, the, the fight scenes are so good. I love the animation. It's beautiful. And now this is where, it's, where, where it all comes together because that's the anime I'm watching. I bought the box set because it was on sale for like $80 off. But I have the entire manga, which goes beyond what's been animated to this point. So I'm pumped. I'm, oh, I'm so excited. It's like 30 books. And it goes so far in the future. I'm gonna have to read up real fast. I feel like I need to read the 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 original uh, first three seasons again. Like the the um what what would you call that? The original arc, the Mugen Train arc, and the Entertainment District arc. I need to reread all that, right? Um, just to make sure that the anime and the manga are on the same page, or at least I got all the information because I, I soak information up like crazy. Uh, but it goes even farther beyond that. And I'm excited to watch or read that before the new seasons come out. Because I know we do have season four coming here shortly. Um, either season three or season four, depending on how they do it. Like, right. It's the next arc. It's the swordsmith village arc. I'm pumped up for it because, you know, maybe he gets a better sword. Tanjiro, the main character. Everybody else can go somewhere, but maybe he gets a better sword. They also have a video game and I have it on my Steam wish list. And I, I need it to go on sale because it's like $60, right? And that's a lot for a game that I'm kind of interested in, but I'm not like heavily awaiting. Like it's been out for a while. And all the reviews say it's a great game. It looks good. It feels good. It's great if it's on sale. So we'll see. Maybe it goes on sale. Maybe it doesn't. But um, 
yeah, I, I'm pumped up for it. I'm so into it. Like we're going to like this beach party in May and I'm pretty sure I'm going to wear some Demon Slayer inspired swim trunks because I think that's dope. Like I geek out like that. Like I obsess on certain things and like right now it's all the way Demon Slayer. So if you talk to me anytime soon, I'm probably gushing about Demon Slayer. So just prepare yourself for that, right? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is my take on spring break and the oh so special year that was 2003. So if you feel so inclined, check me out on Twitter at WhipPodMike and, and let me know what your best memories of spring break are and, and what video games you're playing or what, what you're watching on TV or, you know, a, a mobile gamers or gamers too, you know. Uh, and, and, and don't forget to make it do what it do, like, subscribe, and review. Uh, I know it's cheesy, but I, I'm doing it anyways. It's like a catchphrase, like I'm going to try. So uh, a big part of podcasting and getting out there and expanding your reach is reviews. Like if, if I'm not sharing it on Twitter, if I'm not sharing it on Instagram, like nobody's there. Like if a tree falls in the wood uh, or woods, nobody heard it. Um, so I'm trying to get my tree to fall in like the middle of New York. Um, so yeah, if you could review, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, if it's bad, tell me it's bad. If it's good, tell me it's great. Uh, be honest. They're not going to hurt my feelings. Well, you might, but I'll never tell. Exo, uh, exo, gossip, Mike. <laughs> and with that, folks, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, have a great night and a great rest of your spring break.